Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan Treasure. Bonnie D. in the house. Interesting topic. I'll tell you in a second, but I never remember when I'm opening. For those of you watching us live on LinkedIn and Facebook, I don't remember whether I said the future is here or here, so I'll just go up in the air, and that's what we're talking about today. Jingle jangle. We're talking about a topic I have never, ever, ever covered in years on this show, and I'm very excited because it's something that affects, well, people for tens of thousands of millions of years ago and today, and it affects all of you. We're talking about the future of jewelry and tech. Oh, my goodness. Bonnie, what took you so long to do such a fabulous topic? I have a wonderful panel, but before I introduce them, you know I'm going to give you some movie quotes and a little bit of background. And full disclaimer, I did research the topic on ChatGPT. If you haven't tried it, do openai.com. It's easy to sign up. It's AI. It's a chat bot. A lot of research went into it. And it has a database that's phenomenal. It even apologized to me for giving me a wrong movie quote recently. So I think it's a little bit, a little bit of empathy there, even though they say it's not sentient. We'll debate that later. So here's some movie quotes. I have a quote from Debbie Jelinski, played by Joan Cusack, The Adams Family Values, a 1993 American supernatural black comedy film. Woo! Here's the quote. Aren't I a human being? Don't I yearn and ache and shop? Don't I deserve love and jewelry? <laughs> I just thought that was a phenomenal quote. Then I have a quote from Mrs. Eugenia Doubtfire, played by the late, wonderful, sorry he left us so soon, Robin Williams, Mrs. Doubtfire, 1993 American comedy drama. You can either wear that or feed a small country. That's so nice, so decadent, and I believe he was talking about a piece of jewelry. Okay, so much for cost. Now, I have a quote from Charlie Chaplin played a character named Monsieur Henri Verdoux, V-E-R-D-O-U-X, for those of you who don't know how to spell in French. Uh, this was the movie, Monsieur Verdoux, 1947. Okay, 1947, American black comedy film. Invest wisely, safely at least, land, houses, or better still, jewelry. There's our word again. I have two more quotes. I'm almost done. And I have one from Kojak, played by Telly Savalas in the TV series Kojak on CBS from 1973 to 78. It's not tinfoil. It's not cellophane. It's a piece of jewelry. <laughs> Hater, I thought you'd enjoy that one. <laughs> and then I have one from Rhett Butler, played by Clark Gable. Are we going back in time here? 1939, Gone with the Wind, epic romance historical film. Ladies, the Confederacy asks for your jewelry on behalf of our noble cause. So now we've equated it to, to reinforcing and funding the troops. What can I say? We won't get into the politics of that. Here I quote from Mama Georgina Montana, played by Miriam Colon in Scarface, 1983 crime drama film. You think you can buy me with jewelry? Are you all getting the drift here? And one more from Ginger McKenna, played by Sharon Stone, Casino. This is more modern. It's 1995 movie, so it's only 28 years ago. And here we go. She says, Daddy gave me all this jewelry because he loves me so much. 
Okay. So gemstones and jewelry have always been a part of civilization since history. Before history was written, the earliest find of jewelry was 25,000 years ago. A necklace made of fishbone was found in a cave in Monaco, or some people say Monaco. History of jewelry is rich and varied, spanning thousands of years in cultures. Jewelry has been used for adornment as a symbol of status or power and as a medium of exchange, as I mentioned in some of those quotes. Uh, in Egypt, in ancient Egypt, it was believed that amulets and charms worn around the neck could protect, protect the wearer from evil spirits. In medieval Europe, it was popular to wear a ring with a miniature portrait of one's lover so they could be close to your heart at all times. In more recent time, jewelry as a form of self-expression has led to some humorous and whimsical designs like brooches shaped like hamburgers. Hmm. Earrings shaped like cupcakes. I don't know if anybody's wearing those today. And bracelets shaped like sushi rolls. Sounds delicious. The history of jewelry is full of anecdotes, and it tells us about the culture, the beliefs, and the lifestyle of the era. I think that's a good summary. Thank you, ChatGBT. We have Victoria Wick with us today. No stranger to our audience. She's been on. Victoria, wave hello. There she is. She's going to update us on her fabulous bio in a few minutes. Newcomers, the rest of the panel. Michelle Lau. Michelle, wave hello. L-A-U is her last name. So happy to see you. Susan Chandler. I think we're going to be watching ourselves with Susan. That's a hint about what kind of jewelry she's talking about. And then we have Hater Syed. Hater, wave hello. I'm Hi. so happy to have all of you. This is delightful. I have to say, Victoria, thank you for accepting the topic that I pitched to you and bringing Susan and Michelle. And Michelle, thank you for inviting Hater to join us. That's how it works. It's a community to get a panel together. So Bonnie D in the house, the future of jewelry and tech. All of that glitters, question mark? Hmm, we shall see. Let's go around the table and get some bios. Victoria, you've been on several of my shows several times. Why don't you talk to, Victoria, I did the math before the show. I figured there's 11.72 people who don't remember you today out of all the people <laughs> in the world. So did you just update those 11.2, but you can fill everybody else in. Victoria, welcome back. Three minutes, let's hear from you. Bio, go ahead. Thank you for inviting me once again. It's always an honor and I, I learn a lot and I'm excited to learn more from our guests here as well, even though I've known them for a while. Um, I'm Victoria Wick and um, I came here with my parents um, as a child of immigrants. Well, I am a, the first generation Im immigrant here. And um, after, you know, life as an immigrant back then, as well as now, is tough. Um, so after giving up all hope of the American dream that my parents came here to achieve, I started um, my little company um, for, you know, I guess unleashing my passion for jewelry because I felt like, you know what, if I can't make any money and I'm not going to be famous, I'm not going to be any of those things above, at least I'll have fun and I get to enjoy my jewelry. So I started that company. And uh, with that start, I've, you know, achieved over $500 million in sales of my own products and, you know, sold my product to, I say, about 35 different countries around the world. And um, in that time, I've experienced the technology, how technology has advanced. And I've, I'm a huge proponent of, of technology. I've embraced, you know, CAD CAM and all those things uh, in the industry. And uh, lastly, I have, I think I'm the oldest or the, have somebody who's survived the longest in the jewelry industry um, on TV shopping. Uh, I've been on TV continuously every month for 26 straight years. So that's my bio. 
<laughs> wow. And it, what's your fascination? Just Victoria, refresh us. What's your fascination with jewelry? Why did you want to design and sell jewelry? What, what does it mean to you? Is it, is it an expression of your creativity? Is it, is it a cultural reference to the lives of people in the, who we are today? Just quickly, what's your, what's your passion? What's the core of why you fast, you're fascinated with jewelry? Yeah. As you alluded to before, you know, jewelry tells a history of people. Um, in my family, I knew the personality of the women uh, who wore pieces of jewelry. So, you know, during the war and all that, we still got little boxes of jewelry. And I felt like in America, that piece was missing. You know, it was kind of sold on carat weights, how many, you know, where you got the, it was sold mostly on status. And I wanted to bring out how jewelry can be uh, an emotional connection to the generations before you and after. So that's my passion. I still want to tell that story of who we are, how we lived our lives, and how what we pass on to the future generations. That's lovely. I'm going to tell a little story here before we go on. Michelle, you'll be next. But my dad was a doctor. He was a radiologist back in the day in Jamaica, Queens, New York. And a couple blocks from his office, his medical office, was a little antique store run by a woman named Mrs. Mock, M-O-C-K. And she collected lovely pieces of jewelry with real gemstones and gold, little, little pins, brooches, rings, necklaces. Mm -hmm. And dad learned about her shop. I'm, I'm going to cry in a second. And he used to, after, after he was done with his office hours, every once in a while, and not infrequently, he would go to Mrs. Mock and buy something special for my mom. And he would come home and he would say, Ruth, look what I found at Mrs. Mock's for you. Mm -hmm. And my mother built up her beautiful jewelry collection. And these, these were just precious pieces, just beautiful. We didn't know the history. We didn't know the providence, but they were lovely. And over the years, she got into the habit for our birthdays. I, ha I had a sister. She's no longer with us. But for our birthdays, she would take a little piece of jewelry that she loved and wrapped it, wrap it in a, a piece of tissue paper or a little Kleenex not a gift box, not fancy. And she would say, here's your birthday gift. She would take it out of her purse and hand it to us wrapped in tissue. And I have so many of those lovely pieces. I'm sorry, I didn't, Victoria, you just brought this out talking about that. I haven't thought about Mrs. Mock and that for years. And that was part of our family. And part of the meaning of jewelry was something that we shared and gave to each other. Before I go into full tears here, let's go, Michelle Lau. I don't know Aww. you. I read your bio. It's fabulous. We want to hear from you. Michelle, I'm putting you on Thank speaker you. safe here. Go ahead, Michelle. Welcome. Thank you. That's so nice. You know, what a wonderful story. What a wonderful memory. You know, and I'm like a walking, these people will tell you, I'm like a walking emotional bubble. So I get really emotional really easily. And that was part of the draw. That was part of the draw for jewelry for me is that there is such a connection to it. You know, there's a connection to Mother Earth. There's a connection to family. There's a connection to art. And all of these things just make it a very exciting place to be, in my opinion. But um, back in the day, I was up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I actually lived in a rural town outside of St. Paul. And when I was just a little girl, I was fascinated with agates. <laughs> so I would walk, I mean, we didn't have a whole lot to do there in the middle of farmland. So I would, I wasn't a farmer. So walking up and down the road, um, the dirt roads, I would collect these stones and I got a rock tumbler one year for Christmas. So my kind of whole passion or journey sort of started there. And then I got into TV and I was doing a news and a talk show for nine years up in the Minneapolis market. And um, I was on my way to a call one day and I actually fell down a flight of stairs, brick stairs. And I had to really admit to myself that I didn't see those stairs. <laughs> so I went in and, and long story short, I was diagnosed with a, a degenerative eye disease. And I thought, what am I doing? I'm not living the life I want to live. I want to do something, you know, 
that's fun. I want to really enjoy myself. And so this opportunity came to go to HSN where I met Victoria. And um, I was doing all kinds of different categories. But when I left there, I thought to myself, what really brings me the most joy? And a lot of my career, I really, and she doesn't know this, but I really attribute to Victoria because she sort of sparked that passion within me to really pursue it. So yeah, and it was just so special. So from there, I, I specialized in jewelry. That's where I met Syed. And, and now I met Susan recently. And it's just been this wonderful, wonderful journey. But it started, you know, picking up agates. And even before that, before I was born, my mother worked behind the counter in a jewelry store in West St. Paul and specialized in diamonds and pearls, which happened to be my two favorite things. So yeah, it's sort of ingrained in the blood. And it brings me so much joy. It, it sparks all those little emotional triggers for me, you know, the art, the artistry and the, the passion and now the technology, like one of my specialties is lab grown diamonds. And I know Syed has a lot to say about that, but part of the fascination there is the technology behind it and how it's all, you know, been transcribing. So it's a, a very exciting time to be a part of the jewelry industry. And for those of us that love the beauty and the collectability and the rarity and the connection to mother earth, it couldn't be more exciting than it is right now, in my opinion. Thank you very much, Michelle. Lovely to meet you. And we are seeing a lot of advertising for lab-grown diamonds. It's it's the, that mm-hmm. part of the industry is burgeoning, and they're very visible, and they want to be heard and seen and purchased. I know that. So that's very interesting. We will ask Syed about that. Next up, Susan <laughs> Chandler. Welcome. What time is it, Susan? I'm not supposed <laughs> to say it. Susan, talk to us. Who are you? What do you do? What's your passion? Go ahead. Well, good morning. It's so great to be here. And of course, um, knowing... Uh, 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 the team here. I, I can say that some of my colleagues here, uh, Michelle and Victoria, are members with me on the Women's Joy Association. So that was how we got to know each other. Um, but but a little bit about me. I actually am also a Midwesterner. I grew up in Indiana and my mother was an artist and she collected everything. And when you talk about shiny objects, we would go to swap meets and flea markets and I would be attracted to all the old Victorian silver and the beautiful jewelry and just couldn't get enough of it. Gemstones, uh, faux jewelry, everything, you know, it was just such an interesting time in my life to see things that I'd never seen before. Um, I came from a family that didn't have a lot of money. So we went and we, we shopped in flea markets and things like that for fun items. And that kind of got me interested in creating things. My mother was an artist. And so she taught me a lot about, you know, everything from filing little pieces of silver into pieces of jewelry, working with my hands. Ended up going to school for fashion design, wanted to be a designer, couldn't pay the bills with that. So I became a buyer. And my first, one of my very first assignments was in jewelry and watches. And that really, it cl- clicked with me. I loved the product. I loved talking about all the romance and, and details about it. And so for a good part of my career, I spent um, in buying and then moved over to the manufacturing side and learned a lot how about how it was created. And all the hands that touch, it's it's an incredibly romantic product because there's so much emotion and love that goes into creating a piece of jewelry or a timepiece. You can't automate everything. So it's it's such an amazing industry that that I kind of fell into and then couldn't get out of. I absolutely love it. I went on to, to run some businesses 
um, for fine jewelry companies, costume jewelry companies, sterling silver companies. And then um, in about 2016, I found myself crossing over from the jewelry world to its you know, sister or cousin business into timepieces. And it was a chance for me to learn a lot about things that I'd never really gotten into, mechanical watches, smart technology, uh, new technologies that are always coming out and working for Citizen Watch America. We have a, we have a lot of those kind of wonderful mm-hmm. um, uh, development projects happening all the time. So it keeps me learning, which I love to do, keeps me meeting new people like today. And so I'm quite passionate about it. Lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing that and how you got into the watch business. And you're right, a timepiece, there's just so much you can automate. There has to be those tiny, tiny tools, those hands, those eyes to make it special and put it all together. Thank you, Susan. Great perspective. Hater Syed, you're up next. We had to have a male on the panel. I said to them, come on, it can't be all girls talking about jewelry. And here you are. Thank you again to Michelle for the referral. Hater, I'm putting you on speaker view. Please regale us with who you are and what's your passion for jewelry. Go ahead. First of all, thank you so much for uh, having me. It's a pleasure and it's an honor to connect with all of you. So, you know, my journey with jewelry is... um, Uh, a very unique one because, you know, my background is uh, market research and statistics. So in 1997, I actually met with uh, uh, the owner of a very, very uh, big company and a very nice company. And uh, he introduced me and he said, you know, uh, can you do some research for work for us? I said, sure, why not? And then uh, I joined them and then I I saw Aquamarine. That was the first gemstone that I saw. (laughs) the aquamarine. I saw that. I just fell in love with it. And I was, wow, this is such a beautiful gemstone. Then that got me interested in looking at more gemstones. Then I saw tanzanite. Now when tanzanite came, oh my goodness, I was blown away. And that ignited the passion in me for gemstones. I studied all different types of gemstones, just loved them. You know, I fell in love with all the gemstones. Then I moved here uh, in 98. So when I came to US and then I was working with some of the uh, uh, customers, I realized that, you know, some of the items were way beyond the, I should say, they were not very economical, you know, not everyone could uh, afford them. So that got me thinking and I said, you know, why don't I create some items using those gemstones, which are very sought after for something that, you know, everyone can wear. And then I wanted to create jewelry that, you know, you don't just keep it in, in the vault. I want something that you wear all the time. And it just so happened that, you know, uh, thank God I was I was able to draw things and, you know, work out and do some merchandising and uh, source the gemstones. Then that's the, you know, and because of my statistic background, I could actually work on pricings with market research. I could actually look at people, talk to them, understand their feelings and understand what they need. And that's why I created this. And then uh, in 2000, I actually accidentally became a guest show host because <laughs> <laughs> on shopping television. It was like because one of the hosts who was supposed to do the show uh, fell sick, you know, and just like 10 minutes before the show, uh, the, the director came running to me and he said, you know what, we the show host is not well and he can't do the show. Can you do the show? I said, me? I'm a small boy from India, you know, and with my accent, how can I do the show? He said, don't worry. It's all look all good. So I said, all right, let's try. And then, you know, I did the show and thank God it uh, went very well. And uh, mm-hmm. 
since then, I did a lot of shows, but you know, uh, my main passion was to create jewelry, which everybody can wear every day at an affordable price. And, and even today, like, you know, I meet some people at the airport and they say, oh, you're the gemstone guy. I still have your jewelry from 20 years ago. Thank you. Thank you. And that makes me very happy. So, you know, in a nutshell, that's me over the years, you know. Thank you very much. Pleasure to meet you. What an interesting, Victoria, if we put together the histories of the four of you, this would fill a, a compendium of people and jewelry and why and where and who and the passions and the backgrounds and the reasons for. Uh, it, it affects all of us in some way. As I said in my opening, we, we wear it or we admire it. We look at, for, look at it, we buy it, we collect it. I was telling some of you before the show that I used to buy jewelry, costume jewelry by the lot, L-O-T, on eBay years ago, where somebody would be offering a lot, maybe 20, 30, 40 pieces, and I'd bid on it. I could get it for 50, 60 bucks, and it would arrive. Some of these sellers would wrap each piece in its own piece of tissue paper with tape on it. It took an hour to open everything. And I lay it all out on my bed, necklaces, bracelets, earrings, rings. And I call my mother and my sister who live nearby. I said, come on over and shop on my, and my jewelry in my bedroom. And I said, take whatever you want. I ended up accumulating hundreds of pieces. And you know what? I put them in glass cases and I admire them. I can't wear them all. I have my favorite pieces like we all do, but it was my fascination was for things that were sparkly and that had a little bit of history. There were some handmade, homemade pieces, some boho necklaces with different charms on them that are some of my prized possessions. The idea that somebody said, I want to put these together and make a long necklace out of them and you can wear it and it, it attracts attention. It's a conversation piece that that was something I like. But Hater, I have to tell you, I got into terrestrial radio almost the same way you got into co-hosting because I was doing some television work on Long Island. And uh, one of the camera people at one of the public access stations was the general manager of WGBB AM 1240, the oldest station, AM station on Long Island. And she met me and she, she and I started to talk. And one day she called me on a Friday at four o'clock and she said, Hey, Bonnie, my 6 p.m. drive time host can't come in. He's not feeling well. And I said, listen, her name was Joey. I said, Joey, I'm an hour and a half away in good weather. I drive a sports car. There's a foot and a half of snow on the ground in Great Nick. My sports car likes to do the 360s, you know? <laughs> it doesn't go past the driveway in my building. I will not make it out of the next road. I said, could we do this a little on a non-snowy day? And she said, oh, thanks very much. The next Friday, she called me again. Bonnie, my drive time host can't come in. Can I said, listen, it's still snow on the ground. I still drive. She called me the next week and she said, get out your calendar, come in and visit me when the snow clears. And she invited another host and she said, I'm giving you two shows a week on WGBB. And I wow. became a radio host wow. interviewing authors, musicians, anybody on Mondays. And on Thursday, I co-hosted a show with Larry Davidson, who had his own show. And that's how I started in terrestrial. But it was the same thing, Hater. It was it was <laughs> the, the Jewish word, the Yiddish word is beshert. It was meant to be. It was fate. It was kismet. Yes. You all know that. So anyway, I, I appreciate what you said. And sometimes it's just meant to be. Ladies and gentlemen, wow, what a background on all of you and together. Very, very impressive. Let's go to the quotes. I've asked you each. I feel like I wish the show was two hours long today because <laughs> I just am so fascinated by all of you. Uh, I'm going to go to the part of the quote part of the show where I've asked each of you to send me a fictional quote from a movie or a TV character, a song lyric that has nothing to do with jewelry or watches or jams or anything like that or anything shiny, sparkly. And you're going to relate it to the topic in your own words. Victoria Wick has sent one of our favorite quotes from 
Base Commander Colonel Nathan R. Jessup. Of course, Jack Nicholson, the movie A Few Good Men, 1992 American legal drama film based on Aaron Sorkin's 1989 play. And it's five little words, Victoria, and it's one of my favorite quotes. It applies to anything, but I can't wait to hear how you put it in the jewelry context. You can't handle the truth. Victoria, you're up. Talk to us. What does this have to do with jewelry? Go ahead. Well, for those of us who are on TV, like Michelle and myself, right? We were on TV where, you know, Michelle told me recently she still gets nervous. I do too. Uh, <laughs> we put our heart and soul um, into, you know, everything that we have, right? And then we go up on TV and it doesn't sell. And the truth is, I mean, you know, in the TV business, people blame the producer, blame the host, they, they blame, you know, the merchandiser, you name it, they blame the football game, you know, the Super Bowl was on, you know, against you or whatever. But the truth is, you know, people didn't want what you had. <laughs> so <laughs> you got to go back to the drawing board. And on the show that I was on before, which was about returns, it's the same thing. I mean, when people get in, they're disappointed. Uh, it doesn't fit, whatever it is. But until we understand uh, the truth, we have to embrace the truth. We don't progress as a person, as an industry, as a company. And so I love that quote. You know, it's like every time I think about excuses, I think about, okay, well, can I really handle the truth? So I, that quote is uh, one of my favorites of all time. Thank you. Very, very interesting. You're right. We all do make excuses. It was a bad day. The audio wasn't good. The TV picture wasn't sharp. The director wasn't paying attention. Right. Maybe it was just the content or what you were selling or who right. we were on yeah. that moment in time. Very interesting. I didn't know where you were going to go with that, Victoria. Very, very well done. Michelle Lau has picked another. Oh, this is six words. We're, we're really growing up here in the world. Michelle <laughs> has picked another fabulous quote. It was stated, everybody thought it was said by Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know what I'm talking about, the Star Wars verse. But it was actually stated first by General Jan or Jan Dadona, D-A-D-O-N-N-A, Dadona, played by Alex McCringle. This is in Star Wars episode IV. I asked somebody once if they knew what Roman numerals were. I don't know if the younger <laughs> generation. That's episode four, A New Hope, 1977 epic space opera film. And it is usually attributed to the Jedi Master at the heart of the Star Wars movie, of course, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, but Dadona was the first one to say it. And here we go. May the force be with you. Michelle, I don't care what you're going to say about this. It's just such a great quote, but please relate it to, to jewelry. Go ahead. Well, it's kind of like wearing a really nice, you know, ring or a beautiful watch. You feel, you know, very powerful, very empowered when you put on your jewelry. It's like wearing your armor or having your lightsaber, I guess, in this case. But I just liked the whole idea of the word, you know, force and the idea and projection of power because it does, it, buying jewelry for yourself or buying jewelry for someone you love is a very empowering thing to be able to do. I, I grew up very modestly as well. And so we... um are living in an age where we can do these things for ourselves. And it's exciting to me in that way. I think force to me also equates to confidence. But then I also, switching it around to the tech side of it, I chose that quote because may the force be with you reminded me of what was happening in the world of jewelry. I mean, the, the power that we have now uh, when we're creating jewelry using CAD, for example, you know, of being able to see it before we actually manufacture it, of being able to 
powerfully you know, save our company's money by being able to see it with less waste before we make it or to show a, a customer a custom piece before it's ever made. I think that's, you know, exciting and it's powerful. And then, you know, also the pressure of when a diamond is created, the force that it takes, you know, they, they say no pressure, no diamonds. <laughs> so no heat, no pressure, no diamonds. <laughs> so may the force be with you that way. And then technology, of course, with like the things that are happening in in lab-grown diamonds and things that are happening in the world of synthetics, I think that's a very forceful, very powerful and empowering thing that's happening in the world of jewelry. So that's why I chose it. And I love the movie. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Great, great quote. Wonderful quote. I'm going to go to Susan Chandler now. Susan has picked another iconic. This is from a song, David Bowie, 1971. He left us too soon. Also, what a character he was, right? What a what a showstopper. And uh, if anybody doesn't know, he was an English singer-songwriter. And this is from his 1971 album, Hunky Dory. What a cool name for an album released in January of 1972. And the quote, this is a, a longtime favorite. You've all picked such great quotes. This is... Ch-ch-ch-changes, turn and face the strange. Oh, Susan, tell us how. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting. It's a long time uh, uh, coming, but I think that with all of the changes in the industry and new materials, I look at this as one of those quotes where we all have to be so prepared. I guess I'm going to address it kind of from a business perspective mm-hmm. first, and that is that you know there are constantly new things coming toward us that we have to be prepared. They can't be strange. They can't be strangers when our customers start to adopt them and have interest in them. Lab-grown diamonds from a technology standpoint is exactly that. You know, um, brands have been slow to embrace because there was fear, right? But you have to go along and say, does the consumer appreciate it? Do they like it? Are they responding to it? Is it going to sell? And I think that's where big change starts to happen for companies. Profit starts to happen for companies. So I look at those kind of uh, uh, big movements within our industry. It's really important to capture and to stand up and face the change. See it. Don't don't not understand it. Take the time. And and then I think also consumers. Consumers' tastes keep changing. Consumers, a brand might be a stranger to them at one point, but then the next day they find a connection. And we have to keep looking for our young, new consumers. How are we going to keep driving our brand? And we have to adopt changes to get to them. So on so many levels, I think, you know, we all, not everybody loves change. Um, Sometimes change is amazing. Uh, But I think we all have to kind of embrace it, face it and uh, push on, make it happen. Very well done. And and thinking about how tastes change, we can talk later about the role of influencers. And in a way, that's a stretch on the technology theme, but social media is the benefit of tech. And tech is who was out there saying, this is what I'm wearing. You know, what's Taylor Swift wearing? And what's, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I'm forgetting. Harry Styles, what are they wearing? And and should, should I get something like that? And I've had people say, oh, you know, this politician or this first lady in the White House wore this and I had to have that necklace. So very, very interesting. If we didn't have that ability to see what people are wearing and doing, we wouldn't be influenced by them as much or as as, uh, as em- emphatically, if you will, as dramatically. There we go. And I will tell you something funny is we started out with Victoria's quote, which was five words. We went to Michelle's, which was six. <laughs> Susan, I'm counting ch-ch-ch as one word. So you have seven. And I, I can't believe this. I've never counted the words in quotes before from my guests. But Hater's quote is eight words. So we've gone from five oh! to 
I kid you not. I, if if, awesome. if a panel was ever in sync, I'm talking to my engineer, Aaron Keller. Aaron, we've never had a panel that did a count up in words on their quotes. And these are some of the most iconic quotes in the world. So Hader has sent a quote from Doc Emmett Brown, played by the wonderful Christopher Lloyd. What an actor. What a funny guy. Back to the Future Part Two, a 1985 sci-fi comedy hit. Yes. And Marty McFly, of course, was the other star, Michael J. Fox. And there's a time machine and it was a DeLorean that took them back. And Marty had to make sure his parents met so that he could be born in the future. And then he had to get back and save Doc Brown and go back to the real time, blah, blah, blah. And here's a quote from Doc Brown. Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. Hater, what does this have to do with jewelry? Can't wait for this one. Go ahead. Absolutely. You know, I mean, see, when I saw this, I, I was probably in uh, middle school. When I saw this, it actually intrigued me because, you know, uh, in those days, the computers were just being launched in our country, you know, uh, when I was in middle school. So I was very intrigued. And I said, wow, roads, where we are going, we don't need roads. What does that mean? You know, I kept thinking about that and it stuck with me. And then I always dreamt about future. And I always try to visualize, okay, what will happen 50 years from now? What will happen, you know, 100 years from now? Even now, I, I imagine that, you know, cars flying all over and, you know, everywhere we have flying cars. We have people who just want to talk. They just think and already the other person knows what you're talking about. Things like these. And uh, so it intrigued me. And then now when I see uh, all these new developments, see technology has brought in so many different things for jewelry that it's amazing now right now you know see lab grown diamonds have been around since 70s so it's not a not a new thing they have been around since 1970s not a lot of people know this yeah. but they were very expensive and they were just not feasible to be manufactured in uh, quantities right so they were used for you know so whatever research purposes and things like that but now when you see lab grown diamonds oh my goodness i would say that this is like a gift from god through technology to everybody you know that's what i think so when we are talking about future this is not this is just the beginning we'll see a lot more things happening i'm pretty sure very soon we'll see a lot of different gemstones also being lab grown so i always try to tell everyone that see Created is different and lab grown is different. And I'll explain that to you in detail later on, because this is a very minute difference, which actually makes a big difference. Hater, tell so, us now, tell us now briefly, just the overview of what's the difference between created and lab grown. I know everybody wants to know. Go ahead. Okay. So, uh, all right. Uh, lab grown diamonds. Now, these are grown from a seed of diamonds. You see, so what happens is that when when the when you have a finished diamond, you actually have the exact same properties. Doesn't matter optical uh, or uh, your you know physical properties. Doesn't matter what kind of properties you're looking at. The exact same properties. It is a diamond, but instead of uh, you know growing in a under the earth, right? It is actually grown in a lab that's the only difference we are just helping mother nature to speed up the process that's what uh, we are doing thank you very very now, interesting very interesting. Now, go ahead finish finish go ahead. yeah yeah and when we get to created diamond that's a different case because when you're mm. creating something in a lab you will not be able to get 100 exact properties you might be able to get the optics 
optical property, but maybe not the uh, chemical properties. If you get the chemical, maybe you won't get the optical because you cannot replicate nature 100%. So that's the difference. So lab-grown diamond is a diamond. Lab-created mm -hmm. diamond is not a diamond. Did that make sense? Uh, yeah, yes. Very, very interesting. I'll tell you quickly, I broke off an engagement years ago and I had a beautiful ring for this man who was in the jewelry findings business in downtown New York. And um, he insisted on getting the diamond back. And I said, no, you broke my heart. And it wasn't like a million dollar diamond. And he insisted. So I had it analyzed. I had it, it looked at by a couple of reputable jewelers. And they told me it was a rather sub quality diamond and they wouldn't give much money for it at all and I should just give the damn thing back. So I had a friend deliver it to this. I had made him go to a friend of mine who had a big manufacturing company and their offices were in the Empire State Building. I wanted to humiliate him a little bit. I'm sorry, nobody think bad. So I made him go to my friend's office and my friend gave him back the diamond and that was it. He, the the ex-boyfriend, the ex-fiance wrote to me and he said, or he, he sent me a note and he said, I just bought a new engine for my cabin cruiser boat with that diamond. Uh, I don't know what you were talking about. I had two reputable jewelers tell me that they wouldn't even put it in an earring. It was that low quality. I thought it was a stunning ring. The ring setting was beautiful. I was so proud of it. And he said he just used it to, I mean, it was worth a lot of money. And I thought, whoa, how could that happen? Anyway, that's just a sad story. We'll leave that one alone. So <laughs> I don't know. Okay, let's move on. Thank you, Bonnie. Too much information. We're going to go to the predictions part of the show, and this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to pick a prediction. Victoria, I'm picking prediction number four. I put it in a private chat to you on Zoom. You can see it because I think this is where we want to go. I'm going to read it. It's very brief. Victoria will talk about it for two or three minutes. If anybody on the panel wants to comment for one minute, because we have a lot to cover, just raise one of your nice fingers to me. You've got four nice fingers on your hand, whichever hand you favor. And then I will pick one from Michelle. I'll put it in the chat for you in advance, Michelle. And then I'll pick one from Susan and one from Hader. And let's see what we can cover. So here's Victoria's prediction number four. Consumers will be able to help create their own custom design jewelry with the aid of CAD CAM technology, along with virtual appointments via Zoom and Skype. Victoria, fascinating. Talk to us. Tell us more. Yeah, so this actually will tie to what Susan was talking about, embracing technology to attract new generations of customers, because, you know, we need new, every business needs new customers. Millennials love choices. They like personalization, um, you know, initial jewelry, things that personalize you in jewelry industry is huge. We've never seen a, a trend like this before in my lifetime. So with CAD CAM, uh, you're able to, you know, computer-aided tech, uh, design technology, you're able to actually talk to your customers on Zoom. They will tell you what they like. Uh, they'll tell you what their engagement is all about or what they want to use it for. You can also see the type of jewelry that they're wearing on Zoom now, and uh, you can kind of start the process already. We'll, we can design pieces for them. Uh, if they like it enough, you get to a point where they like, you know, the, the carrot way, the side stones, all the different design elements that they wanted. We can actually produce a CAD CAM um, drawing, which is actually like a mold, a real mold. And um, that process only takes about a day for us. And my daughter actually is one of the few companies, if not the only company, that's 100% dedicated to lab-grown diamonds. So... We actually do this now. Uh, we do several, you know, engagement rings um, every week uh, from, you know, customer's mouth to what they actually get. And the other thing I find really interesting is that because we do, we combine passion, meaning that we want to save the earth, we want to save the future, 
Um, all of our jewelry is done with recycled metals um, and um, biodegradable packaging on top of that. And we don't do any earthmine diamonds. You know, a lot of jewelers out there, such major chains will sell earthmine diamonds next to nibrone diamonds and they sell it only on price. The way we do our business, we actually get 20 to 30% more than an earthmine diamond. That, that millennial customers who really uh, look for companies, you know, authentic companies, they're willing to pay more money for this process. So I think that this is the future, that um, I'm only thinking that technology of CAD CAM is only going to speed up things faster. You know, it's taking us a couple of days to do this now, but I envision five years from now being able to pop those things out in a couple of hours, which wow. means we can do that pretty quickly. So, yeah. Thank you. Susan, I saw that finger go up. Talk to me. I I love that concept, Victoria. And I think honestly, we've done a, I've done a lot of research on the the younger consumers, millennial, but particularly yeah. Gen Z, and they want to join your brand. They don't necessarily want to buy your product. So buy. that type of engagement, ah. I think, is incredible to to allow them to a experience all that you offer, um, become a part of you know the process. They they want to get involved. They don't want to be told what to buy. And right, so right. all of our research says that type of engagement and experiential, you know, moment for them will ingratiate them to your brand. And I think it's, it's astonishing. And I think that's really where we're going to be going in the future. I agree to particularly for the younger customer. Yeah, Thank you. Just, yeah, go ahead, Victoria. And then Michelle, yeah. go ahead. So um, when you said earlier about our bios, you wanted to know more about us, you know, not mm -hmm. just the resume. I think it goes back to our branding at right, my daughter's company is called Rachel, Rachel and Victoria.com. And there we tell people about why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. And I think that millennials want, they don't want to buy a product. They want an inspiration experience and they want to know why they want to know why they should even engage in any kind of a conversation with you. And so this, why if we're interested in saving the future, interested in, about our climate, interested in all those things, then, and it's a pain to find recycled metals. I mean, all of our metals uh, we use are all recycled. We have, so we're not you know, damaging the earth anymore. Um, we're using biodegradable uh, packaging materials because we don't, we believe in that. So they, they get it. They're like, oh, you know, you're in there for the right reasons. You're not going to screw me over. It's align alignment of values and, and a lot of, and I don't think we're just seeing millennials anymore because they're already in their thirties and forties. They're running companies. They have a great amount of right. disposable income. They are major players in all kinds of industries. So I think it's trickled down to, to younger generations. Michelle, briefly, you want to comment and then I'm going to pick up yes. from you. Go ahead, Michelle. I was basically going to say um, the same thing is that I, I think we run into a problem when we start to talk just Gen Z or just millennials, because I think we're all interested in that. Right. Yes. But I love I, I love and respect what Victoria and her daughter are doing. I think it's fantastic. I'm in a unique situation where I'm selling both at QVC. So I represent both, you know, mined diamonds from the earth and also lab grown. And so in my experience, it's really the customer that wants that uh, rarity and scarcity story of diamonds from the earth that have been there for billions of years. Yes. The people that like that tradition, they're the ones, no matter what their age happens to be, that are going towards the mine diamonds more, but they're open to lab grown. And I'm seeing that happen more and more at QVC every day. We just had an event last week that was crazy popular. But um, with lab grown, they want bigger, they want bolder, they want innovative designs, they're willing to take a chance with something out of traditional realm. So I think they can all live in harmony. And the whole um, 
sustainability story does become problematic because, and this is, yeah. you know, something for a whole nother conversation, because they both have their pluses and minuses. I think the Natural Diamond Council mm-hmm. has done an awesome job of conveying the information about uh, mined diamonds from the earth and really some of the good things that they're doing to replace where they've been and to um, actually help economies. So that's my little thing in a nutshell with that. Sorry. But, no, oh, no, and also, sorry. Yes, Susan. I have to tell you what, uh, speaking of respect for companies, Citizen Watch America has been amazing at being very open with their research and their statistics. I had, you might be interested in this too. I mean, they have shared with us so um, graciously all of their Gen Z information and they've made it very open to the public. And so I really love that we're all sharing where it used to be very siloed between companies. We're now really crossing those barriers and working together as a jewelry community. So I'm just really proud to be a part of it right now. Thank you. And and on the and I'm I've changed your prediction, uh, Michelle. I'm going to number four, and I put it in the chat for you <laughs> okay. because we we kind of talk about influencers already. But m- I want to make a point. I forget what my point was. Oh, I'll talk about it later. Okay, let's move on. So, oh, branding. We're we all have our own brand. It's not just right. citizen, and it's not just uh, right. what's your, your Rachel and Victorian. It's not just whatever you. I'm my brand. I, I am a brand. I'm my brand. I get on radio shows. People see me. I always wear the sparkly sweater and the red flower and usually this multiple necklace that somebody strung together. It makes me happy. And this is a real diamond behind it from Fortune Off in New York. And I have my little sparkly earrings. This is my brand. So I pick jewelry that gives me my brand. So it's not just the brand of your company. It's who do you, and you, you mentioned, I think, Michelle, people want bigger. They want different. Well, I don't know if we need Taylor Swifter or or uh, Rihanna or, or or who else is there or Beyonce to tell us what our brand should be. We want what makes us feel right. good, and I don't think we need permission anymore. I want to move on because we only have eleven minutes left, and we need to do more predictions. I think we have a part two in our future, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so <laughs> prediction number four. Let's do this quickly. Michelle, she says the number of digital marketplaces and jewelry choices yeah. will increase. Offering greater reach, greater variety, and greater branding opportunities. Jewelry sales are moving more and more online. Currently, 5 to 10% of all jewelry sales come from online. It's expected to grow. I'm going to stop there. Take two minutes, Michelle, and then I'm going to p- pick one up for Susan and one for Hater. Go ahead, Michelle, you're up. Well, I think with the advancements in AI and the things that are going on in the world, uh, things like virtual dressing rooms um, are going to expand even further into accessories. You know, it's sort of been clothing where you can virtually step into a dressing room. I hate going into dressing rooms. They're too small. They're too crowded. They're dark. I can't see what I'm doing. And they're a mess, right? Full of germs as far as I'm concerned. So I love this whole (laughs) way that things are moving. So in a nutshell, that's where I was going with that. I think that I love it. You know, with the Amazon-esque uh, sort of world that we're living in, there's a lot of opportunity for smaller businesses. And I see it even with people that used to be on the air, you know, at QBC that have expanded their businesses and they're now operating out of their farms and out of their ranches and out of their back doors or like me down in my basement. So there's just lots of room for it. Yeah, that's Thank the way I see the future going. Thank you very much. I'm moving on to you, Susan. We've covered a couple of yours already. I'm picking number four. Consumers will continue to have more purchasing options. But here's what's different from other markets such as social media, exposure and technology to virtually view products, increasing global access. I think you have a lot of thoughts in there. Susan, just unpack that for me. Two minutes. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. I think that uh, it has been extraordinary in teaching consumers through social media about product. Right, whether it be a stone, a diamond, materials, metals, 
um, timepieces, consumers are getting so much of their information through TikTok, through, I mean, that's the number one for the younger generation, TikTok, Instagram, um, uh, YouTube. So we have created an information system that didn't, wasn't there when we were growing up, right? You had to learn things the old, an old fashioned way. Someone had to tell you about it. You learned about it in a textbook. Now consumers and and of all ages have access to information and they can make their own decisions about that. They also have access to information overseas, the Instagram, the uh, Instagram the coming from Europe, from Asia, um, from Australia. You know, I'm just amazed where suddenly it's not just the product you go in to see in your local stores anymore. You have access to consume anything you want. And I think that we as we as um, members of the industry have to really think about that and how we continue to market and how we go after our younger consumers and teach them about our brands and what we stand for. And, and it's, it's, it's actually incredibly exciting um, uh, opportunity for consumers to even broaden their understanding of what we do. So, you know, jewelry is an age old um, uh, manufacturing process, but you know, you want people to really appreciate all the details about it. And the information system that's now flowing is extraordinary. It's taking us to a whole different level. So, I mean, I, I look forward to see what's to come. It's going to be pretty cool. And it's coming fast, isn't it, mm -hmm. Susan? It's, yeah. the, the future is, is here or it's just seconds away, as I said in my intro. Hater, I'm moving to your prediction number one, because we've already talked a lot about lab-grown. You say mm -hmm. buying patterns. Buying patterns will change to be very technology-dependent. So why don't you expand that for us, please? Go ahead. Sure, absolutely. See, uh, I was doing some research and actually, you know, I do go out and meet a lot of uh, buyers and uh, a lot of consumers. And I've realized that, you know, especially the younger generation, uh, the social media, the influencers, they all love them, right? Now, they actually, let's say they see a ring somewhere. They love it. Now, they go and research and then they go to a website. Now, you have that ring on the website. But now what happened is now with the VR, you know, the virtual reality, and then we have the augmented technology, right? All these things coming in, they're able to try it without going to the store. See, so right from the comfort of their home, they are doing and anytime, 24-7, anytime they can do it. They can actually speak with their, uh, you know, the partner. They can speak with their children, with their parents, with their friends, everybody, right? They share all the information with each other in real time. It's not like, you know, oh, I have to, tomorrow I'll come back with my girlfriend and show her the ring or whatever. Nothing like that anymore. So that's why, you know, it's become very fast. It's moving very fast. The manufacturers have to adapt to this to become very fast. Now, people don't want to wait for six weeks and, and five weeks like they used to earlier for their item. They want it now. They want it in real time. So that's why uh, even in, in, in terms of... Uh, technology that we are implementing in manufacturing side, we are coming up with new things like Victoria very well pointed out, the CAD CAM is helping a lot. Uh, at the same time, what we are trying to do is uh, we are trying to come up with uh, different type of uh, modules where actually you can create items within 24 hours and have it shipped to the customer. So working on that, so all the manufacturers, they have to adopt things like these because now very soon, everyone will be at home looking at the jewelry and saying, you know, this is what I want and I want it tomorrow. 
There you go. Or in 20 minutes. Drone deliverer coming to a roof or a porch near you. We have time for one more, just barely. Michelle, this came in from one of your predictions, and I was intrigued by it. I asked you to explain it, and I just want to get this in. You say there's lots of future room for female CAD CAM operators, bench jewelers, and designers. Define bench, take two minutes, and then we're all right. Two and a half minutes, and then we're going to wrap. Go ahead, Michelle. I'm so glad you brought this up because those of us that are involved with WJA, this is a hot button for us. It fostering folks in the industry. There is a need right now for people to get involved in the bench jeweler uh, side of the business and the creation of the jewelry. That, you know, as high tech as we want to be, we still need that hand touch, right? So, um, and perhaps Susan can even speak a little bit more to what we're doing as a part of WJA since she's the president. And um, how we're trying to bring women into the business that traditionally has been dominated by by men. Thanks, Susan. You want to come on to that for a minute? Yeah, for sure. She um, left you a minute. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we have a foundation and we are working to gain funds to be able to give out scholarships for education, everything from bench jewelers to GIA work, learning about the stones themselves and getting accredited. I mean, it, there is still, it's a hands-on industry. You can't automate all these things. And there are many, many, many jewelers and companies out there looking for hands-on people that love to work with the metal, love to work with the stones. And and there's still, it's, it's, it's a it's an art form. And and um, we we love to provide that education. So that's one of the big important things about the Women's Jewelry Association that I'd love to share. Thank you very much. I'll tell you just briefly, we just have a second here. I'm remembering now my first piece of jewelry that I designed. Victoria, you'll appreciate this. Um, I had a, a, when I was divorced, not from the guy I broke the engagement with, but I was divorced many years <laughs> before that. And I had a, a lovely ring that his mother, we were very young, we got married. His mother bought a, a Tiffany ring, Tiffany diamond. And um I dabbled in the stock market for the first time in the late 1970s. A friend helped me get started, just a little bit, a couple hundred, and I made a little bit of money, just a drop. And he said, use it for something for yourself that you will remember your first investment success. Buy yourself something. And I said, well, I don't want to wear this ring anymore. Uh, my husband's my husband's mother bought engagement ring, so let's take the diamond out. So I went to a local jeweler. This was in Eugene, Oregon, and I went to a local jeweler, a nice one, and I said, let's design something. And we designed a heart, and she made a wax model for me and designed a heart that was slightly lopsided. It wasn't a heart like this. It was a heart like this, and the point went this way, okay? And I bought a beautiful gold chain, not a, not a long one. I need to get a longer one, and she Im embedded, inserted my diamond from my ring into the center of that heart. Aww. And I can't tell you, and this was way before CAD CAM, Victoria, and this was way before influencers or branding. And my friend said to me, buy something memorable. You did right. this for yourself. You made your couple of hundred dollars. Go give yourself a gift. Can you imagine how precious that concept was back in the 70s before anything we've been talking about, right? Before right. HSN and before social media, before cell phones. And this was, and I remember it's here somewhere. <laughs> it's here somewhere. I don't know where it is. I have to get a longer chain, as I said. But anyway, it just the concept of jewelry as part of marking who we are, where we've been, where we've come from, where we want to go, who we are, who our branding is. I can't thank the four of you 
you enough. We've done some really delicious predictions. I appreciate all of you. And I have a quick homework assignment. Don't go away because we're going to take pictures afterwards. I want you all to practice. Put up your, your index finger and your thumb. And on the count of three, you're going to join me. And we're all going to say no, no, no. Okay? People say, come on, hater, lift that finger up there. People say <laughs> the future is already here. And we say one, two, three, no, 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 no. 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 <laughs> one of the best and insane. Wow. Because the, that was yesterday's future. It's already come and gone. It was the future from three and a half seconds ago. The future of now hasn't happened yet. And we're all going to do our best to make it a better one. Everybody wave goodbye to LinkedIn, bye to Facebook. Aaron at Voice America. Aaron, I'm glad you're feeling better. Thank you for engineering for us today. Don't go away, panel. We're going to be taking pictures. Aaron, are we good? Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.